All right, good morning, everyone. I know we're a minute or two early, but we're here. We're ready to go. Let's go ahead. <laughs> uh, we're in our Revelation study. We're in Chapter 8. We're ready to look at the last verse of Chapter 8. So I want to thank everybody for being here this morning. If you will, please uh, pray with me before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for the wonderful day you've given us, Father. We thank you for our lives that you sustain here, the, the world, everything that you keep going for us, Father, all the blessings you give us every day. Father, we thank you for your Son who came and gave himself for us that we could have this relationship with you, Father, where we can come to you and, and learn from you, Father. We thank you for that so much. We ask that you would lead and guide us in this study, Father. Help us to understand your word, to learn what we should know from your word, Father, and to understand you more properly and what you expect of us, Father. Help us to follow your your guidelines and your statutes and, and your rules, Father, in our daily lives. And we thank you and praise you for the miracle that your Bible is, that you've given us to follow. And we thank you for that too, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we were looking at Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. So that's Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. And... This verse, I'm just going to read this verse to us, and this is at the, you know, after everything else that had occurred in uh, chapter 8, which before this were the uh, four trumpets, right? So we had the four trumpet judgments. So Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe! to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So remember, we had four trumpets so far. There were going to be seven, and we have three to go, and that's what that's talking about there. Now, in the New American Standard Bible, that reads slightly differently. It talks about well, let me read this little bit to you. This, uh, then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven and then saying with a voice, whoa, 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 so forth, etc. And that's just a, a difference in the translation there. Um, whereas the New King James Version says it's an angel flying. And I had looked at that, and I guess I didn't make my note very clear to myself here. Um, so I think the word, the actual word used was, was the word for eagle, wasn't it? Does anyone else, did anyone else look at that, Matt? There's different ancient manuscripts that have a different word. They, they both start with and end with the same letter, so there's been a confusion. Okay. So there may be a little confusion in that. Well, yeah, because... Uh, now, King James at the bottom has a, a test, uh, test reads eagle. Right. So, you know, right up here it's angel, so. Right. Mine made a note, and, and I think when I looked at the interlinear, that, that they seemed to think it was eagle as well. Yeah. But but nonetheless. It's from God, whatever. 
whatever, it's still a message from God. So that's a good point. So thank you. Okay. All right. So um, if we look at question 10 here, which is sort of self-explanatory, I guess, but what did John next see and hear? Just what we were talking about, right? <laughs> Just what we were talking about in verse 13. 13, he hears the, the angel or the eagle, either way, um, saying, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the three remaining trumpets, basically. I'm paraphrasing, but the three things to come, three woes. So, And where it says, um, in the midst of heaven or flying in mid-heaven, the idea there is just that it's high in the middle of the sky for all to see. You know, it would be visible in our sky. Sort of like where when Jesus comes back, we're all going to see it. It's not going to be a, uh, it's not going to be something that some people see and others don't see. Everyone's going to know and see it. Now, however that works, I don't know, but that's, that's how it's going to happen. So it's not going to be anything that some people see and others don't. We'll all see it. And know it if we're alive at that time, of course. So let's see. So a woe, we don't use the word woe a lot, right? A woe is a great sorrow or distress, something that causes great sorrow or distress. You know, that's what woe is. Does anyone have anything on this verse or about this woe? Some people call it a threefold woe. Yes. Woe is me. Oh, woe is me, yes. That's true. There's the distress of woe is me. Yes, Matt? Some have suggested that the reason there are three woes is the, the three angels, the three additional what, trumpets or whatever yeah. that are left. Yeah. The three trumpet judgments that are to come, right. Right. That was, that was uh, that's the same impression that, that I've had, and from what I've read, that, that makes sense. Does anybody have anything else? Yes? Oh, well, yeah, the Lord does say, it's in Matthew, what, did you say 23? Uh, yeah, there are the woes, you know, woe to these folks who, the Lord proclaims a certain amount of woes. I don't remember all that enough to uh, to quote it, but yeah, so there are those to remember. We just don't use that a lot nowadays. So if everybody's ready, we'll move on to Revelation chapter 9. Now, Revelation chapter 9 is going to have the fifth and sixth trumpets. Those judgments of God will be released. And, and these are, well, 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 we'll look at question one. These are, these are um, different. Uh, I'm going to... Look at the first question. The main points of the chapter deal with these trumpets. So the fifth trumpet is the locust from the bottomless pit, as it's described. And the sixth trumpet is the 200 million army, is the way they, they said it here. So, and that's the two different things we're going to look at in this chapter. So looking at chapter 9, we're going to start reading verses 1 through 12. So Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. 
And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lions' teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon, or Apo well, Apollyon, I'm just going to roll with that for a minute. One woe is past, meaning this judgment was the first woe. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So that's the next two trumpets is what he's referring to in the last as far as the two more woes. So when the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, what did John see? A star fell from heaven to earth, right? And this star was uh, given the key to the bottomless pit. Now the bottomless pit, well... So we'll start with the star. Who or what is the star? What does that seem like? And there's a, there's a couple of different thoughts on this, so I'm not... It's either Satan or Christ. I'm not sure what it is. There is a thought that, it's, that some say it's Satan. There is that thought. There's also... But, but there's another thought, too, that um, an angel is being sent by God to release this judgment. <laughs> You know, not necessarily Satan, but, you know, do you have something, Matt? Well, just the fact that there's the key given to this individual right. would seem like it wouldn't be Satan because he wouldn't have the ability to release himself. Right. That's the other thought, is that this is an angel that God is giving the key and sending this, uh, sending him down to release this judgment, and this is a judgment from God. So, But there, there were people, though, that said that they believed that this meant Satan. So, I, I can't, uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like that. I, I agree, I think, with the other idea, but uh, that it's an angel from God because it's his judgment, but nonetheless. <clears throat> so, the bottomless pit, it's kind of odd. Um, it equals abyss or the pit of the abyss. 
And the implication is this is of a, a prison where these things are being held and where some, possibly some demons and other things are being held. Uh, there's some comparison of this like to Tartarus, which is the worst part of the realm of the dead in the Greek underworld. But it also can be related to Luke chapter 8, verse 31, where the, the demons actually begged the Lord, they said, and they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. And the same idea is the same word, same idea, that he would send them to this prison, this abyss, which was kind of like a prison for demons. So he sent them into the pigs. Remember that? That's part of that story there. Well, I hate to say story. That's part of that account there. Because then when I say story, it sounds like it's a fable or something. So sorry about that. So I don't like to say it that way. But um, does anybody have anything else on that? I just thought I'd mention that about the abyss and the way that's, you know, the way that's looked at. Yes. Right. Right, and that's why I think that's why most of us would think that that is not Satan because you know, even though it, it does sound confusing, and I understand why some people might think that, but it, if you think about where this is coming from, the judgment is coming from God. He's sending an angel to open this up to bring out this judgment. So you wouldn't think that would be Satan because he's not really known for working hand in hand with God, right? So, yes. Why are we told that Satan is a fallen angel? I don't. Is there a verse for that? The fallen angel, uh, Satan being a fallen angel. I don't remember for sure if there's an actual verse for that. I'm not the best, so I mean, if you know of one, by all means, let me know. But there, that's that's something that we say as a tradition. I'm not sure if there's an actual verse for that. So I don't know about that either. But um, one of the things I'm studying for my next Luke lesson <laughs> is a, a passage in Luke 10, verse 18, which is maybe what my mom was thinking about. He said, and he said to them, "I was watching." Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Uh -huh. I'm still studying about what that means. Okay. But, uh, um, that seems to relate. And it, it, you know, right. I, I still think your revelation is probably not Satan, but it's a similar idea, some imagery. So see, there's a, there's a similar thing. You said that was in Luke uh, 10? Luke 10, um, 18. Okay. So it's, it's the, in the, when they sent out the 70 or the 72, and then they came back and they said all the good things they did. Jesus was like saying, basically, that Satan's being defeated by the good works that they're doing, healing people and casting out demons and stuff. Right. I just want to make sure that we... Okay. So if we look at Luke 10, 18. Right. So, yeah, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So there is that. And we know, of course, the demons are fallen angels, right, too. So, but, uh, but this is a scripture that goes along with that that backs that up. And he says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. A lot of those things we're going to hear about. So uh, that's good to know. 
And it's good to back that up with something in Scripture. So, so he was fallen from heaven, definitely, according to the, the verse there. I just couldn't remember any verse for that. So, Okay. Um, we look at question three. What came out of the pit when it was opened? Okay. Um, yeah, um, it, it says locusts with power like scorpions, right? And uh, also smoke, which darkened the sun and the air. So this was, this was not a good thing. Um, and this is... This is... Did I roll backwards to something? Hold on a second. I apologize. I think I went back on my notes, so I was looking at the wrong thing. No, I was actually in the right place. Now I'm my mind is trying to skip ahead. Sorry. Okay. So, right. So, uh, we have the smoke, right, which darkened the sun and the air, and locusts with power like scorpions. Now, this is similar. Again, I I'm looking at similarities in the things we're seeing here, just comparing them to past judgments of God, similar to the curse on Egypt. If we read Exodus chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, uh, so Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts, and the locusts went up all over the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hell had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, while there is some similarity, like I said, there's also some difference, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. And there's, I think that's a perfectly appropriate thing that, that that this text is drawing from. But another one is from Joel. A, a big motif in the book of Joel is this, all these uh, locusts coming. And it's some, sometimes unclear in the poetry of the book whether it's literal locusts or the locusts represent armies, but it's judgment coming okay. on. And so if you go look, look at uh, Joel 2, 31, he uses a lot of the same language. He says that the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great day great and awesome day of Yahweh comes, and, and it's just this whole context of all these locusts and everything, and some of the same uh, imagery of judgment. Is that the same uh, verse in chapter 2 of uh, Acts? That there, that yeah. Peter... Well, I'm not sure the same verse, but they draw from Joel as well. Right. Because verse 32, and, and it will be that everyone who calls in the name of Yahweh will be delivered, or on Mount Zion and Jerusalem and all that. Right, so this is similar, what, what Matt is bringing up here in case, because I realize everybody can't probably hear. In Joel chapter 2, you'll see a similar thing, 
Um, and this is, I'm going to look at 31 and 32 here. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So, so again, there's some similarity here in the darkness and, and the judgment of God. And there's probably others that I, that I didn't see or think of either, so... There could be more than one example of this, but we've seen this kind of thing before. Uh, but there is a difference, too. Let's see, but we won't, well, okay, we'll mention the difference in a minute. I'm probably getting a little bit ahead. If we look at question four, what were the locusts allowed to harm? Men. Men, right? They were allowed to torment people, men, but they were not allowed to Unlike the old locusts in Egypt, they were not allowed to eat up the greenery and the plants and the vegetation, right? Yes, ma'am? And specifically, the, the men who don't have the seal of God in their foreheads. So, of course, that, a lot of times the seal with the Holy Spirit, or seal with the Holy Spirit, there's some sense in which spiritually God recognizes his people. So, right. his people are not going to be affected. Right. They're allowed to torment the people here, but not the ones that have the seal. If you remember back in, I'm thinking, it's was it just chapter 7 that they sealed the 144,000? Or was that an earlier chapter? I think it was uh, very recent. I think it was chapter 7. So if I have that wrong, you can correct me. But uh, they were sealed. They were given a seal. So those, those who have been sealed by God will not be tormented. So, yeah, chapter 7. Okay, that's what I thought. So, um, so only those men who do not have the seal of God... Wait. Yes, only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. That's correct. So, so we know some of God's people are present. We know that the 144,000 are the ones that are sealed, whether that be um, just a symbolic number or... You know, or truly just 144,000. Um, and those were the ones that were mentioned to being of the tribes. Um, but it also shows that God protects his people while punishing unbelievers, just like we've seen in the past, just like you see with the plagues of Egypt again. I keep going back to that because that seems like a theme that we have going, that God is delivering his people and punishing those who are, or having judgment on those who refuse to obey and listen. So, um, does anybody have anything else on that? That was question four. The time, the time for them to be heard for five months. It was limited. It is limited. It's five months that this occurs, right. It is a limited time, and it's... Uh, um, it's limited to just those people. So, yeah, and it is a limited time, five months. And, oh, actually, that was question five. What other limitations was placed on their power? And Shirley has given us the answer. They could only do this for five months, right? So that is 
just the way that was, or way that is, however you want to look at it. But it's a, uh, it's going to be five. It's five months for that. And when we look at verse six, if we look at verse six, it says, "In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them." I mean, do we understand how horrible that is? How bad that is? I don't think so. I wonder. I think I have an idea, but I, I do I really know how bad that is? That's that's a thing to ask yourself. Uh, the word used for desire in that, where they desire death and uh, they desire to die, it's a very strong word. They will they will covet and long and and lust for death. Yes, man. Kind of reminiscent of some of the sentiments that Job talks his suffering that he wished he was never born and that sort of thing. Um, think about his suffering, maybe that's part of what we should remember. Yeah, if you think about Job's suffering, there yeah, because there was a lot and he did initially didn't he kind of sound like he longed for death himself, you know, because of what he was suffering in. And you have to remember his whole family basically except for his wife was killed and she didn't sound like she really thought that much of him at least in that one part so uh you know she she was telling him to curse god and and die so so yeah he was in a very bad spot and uh he had a little bit of that now let's see now one thing i had in my mind and i think this is an again a theme that we have here during some of these judgments and what we read about in revelation why would they not be allowed to kill why just torment these people for five months? Yes. Well, it's tricky to figure out precisely what, what this is all talking about, but it seems like the idea is a partial judgment to incite them to repent. Right. Of course, we see that they fail to do that. But. Right. And that's, that's the idea. Most of the times when you read of God's judgments, you'll, you'll see that he's trying to get people to repent. Even going back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, I think it's chapter 26, where he talks about blessings, and then he also talks about the punishment for not following. And then at the end, he wraps that up with a uh, restoration. He talks about being restored if they repent. So that's a lot of what God's judgment is about, is trying to get people to repent and turn to him. Yes? Going back to Job, as Matthew was mentioning, Yeah, if you go back to Job, his friends, in a way, they were being his friends. They were trying to get him to repent, figuring he had done something wrong. But, of course, Job had not done anything wrong. So, so in a way, they had good intentions, right? Um, let's see. Does anybody else have anything on else on question five? Okay. So if we look at the description, it says, how are the locusts described, right? Um, that's question six, and you can see that in the verses seven through ten. And there's a number of things here said. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like those of men. Their hair was like women's hair. And you can tell me if your uh, translations say something different. Their teeth was like lion's teeth. 
um, and they had breastplates like those of iron. Uh, the sound of their wings like chariots with many running horses and with tails like scorpions and stings in their tails, uh, though limited in power, of course, but still they had those stings. And I don't know, when I read about this description and some of the other descriptions we read about, it reminds me of some of the mythological beasts that we you can also read about like sphinx and manticores and things like that, where they combine different creatures together to make some monstrous creature. And and that's what these locusts sound like. Uh, well, it says also, I missed this, sorry. They're shaped like horses prepared for battle. So, so these are, these are, these locusts, yeah, they sound like a... Uh, yeah, like they could be an army, an army of whatever this creature. Yes. I'd be Pat? terrified if I saw them coming at me. I think all of us would be. Yes, I think we would all be terrified if we saw something like this. And uh, and since they're locusts, there would be many of them, right? I didn't say how big they were. No, and it says locusts. So my idea of locusts are locusts are kind of small, right? But but. Well, there's so much, there's so many things that are symbolic, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were going through Arizona one time, and there was a grasshopper, a locust, flew on a carpet. Oh, a big one. Never. And we started walking, and they really are locusts that big out west. Oh, really big. So, so oh, more like that. Yeah. yeah. The ones in Virginia are much bigger than what we have here. Oh, okay. And then... Out there, we just absolutely was amazed at what we saw. So, you know, depends on where you are, I guess. Right, right. God can make them as big as he wants. Yeah. Well, yes, God can make them however he wants, as big as he wants, all that. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a four year old locust that they have uh, in, like, Africa, where there are huge, huge swarms of them. Oh, huge. So that they Right, because they have huge swarms of locusts, yeah, in the yeah, different, do. yeah. So that may be what I'm referring to here, I thought. It, it sounds to me like that's it, like it's a huge swarm of locusts, you know. Yes, and that was that was the idea, too, back in, uh, back in Egypt, where they had those locusts, too, that they covered the entire land of Egypt at that time. So, strange question for locusts. Who was their king? The angel of the bottomless pit, right? And uh, then it says, what is his name in Hebrew and Greek? And uh, the Hebrew name was Abaddon, which means destruction. And the Greek was Apollyon, which I'm probably not saying exactly right, but also means the destroyer. And Apollyon may be loosely tied to Apollo, the Greek god, because as well as being the sun god, he was also a god of plagues, which I did not remember that until I was looking at this. So it could this could represent another judgment kind of against idolatry and emperor worship, which, you know, was a big thing in Rome, if you think about that. Yes. And then this verse kind of makes me think back to verse 1, where we 
talking about <laughs> this star that fell and had the key to the pit, you know. Some someone had authority over the pit, now someone here is a king of the <laughs> pit, so I don't know. <laughs> kind of second guessing myself on what I was thinking about verse one. Well, there is that. It does say the king of the pit, right? So um we we say the Lord is the King of Kings. Well, so yeah, it, it just makes you think. It makes you have to think this through and see. Um, I'm not always the the best at that either, but um, but they're trying. I guess they're giving this the this this angel this name. So, and this is a, but this is still a judgment from God. So. Yeah, and he was given authority, right? I think I forgot to do our image earlier, but if we're going to look at... Uh, does anybody have anything else on that before we move into the next section, the next trumpet? All right. So um, let me... So, if we look at uh, Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 21, I'll read this and then we can look at the first question or so. I know we're getting out of time here. Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 21. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions and out of their mouths came fire smoke and brimstone by these three plagues a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths for their power is in their mouth and in their tails for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So that is the, the second half of chapter 9. If we look at question 8, what did John hear when the sixth trumpet sounded? Heard a voice, right? Heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar. 
And uh, this was telling the angel to release the four angels bound at the river. Now, there are several things here. The voice from the four horns of the golden altar kind of uh, makes us think that perhaps this is an answer to the prayers of the uh, martyrs under the altar. So that this is part of the answer to their, if you remember, uh, I can't, that chapter 5, I think, that they were, you know, saying how long, when will this judgment come? And there's a there's an idea that this is that judgment. Now, we look at the angels being released. Who are the four angels being released? They were mentioned earlier, is the only reason. Uh, excuse me? The four horsemen? The four horsemen, if we look at, it could be the four horsemen. That's part of what, what I was looking at, too. They're definitely the four angels or spirits from chapter 7, verse 1, because they were the ones that were that were being held, right? But I wondered, because it also comes down and it says, the horsemen and their army, if this was not relating further back to the four horsemen that we saw even earlier. So, but definitely, it's, it's definitely the four angels or spirits from chapter 7, verse 1, because they were the ones that were instructed to be held from doing anything while God's people were sealed. It says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. And they were told not, not to harm anything until God's servants were sealed. So... Does anybody have anything else on that? Yes. It's interesting reading through all this that there's appointed times for everything. There's an appointed time you think about the end when Jesus will return. Jesus doesn't know when that is, but God has set a, a date in mind. He has appointed a time. Here, these four angels in verse 15 have been kept ready for this very hour, this day, and this month. So they were designated, set aside for a specific purpose. Right. These were all of these are that way. Right. Lord the the Lord's judgments, the God's judgments, when when the Lord is coming back, all that, there is a set time, like is mentioned, like you're referring to in verse fifteen, there is a hour, a day, a month, and a year. There's a set time for things to happen, that these things will happen. Um and you know, we don't know when the Lord will return, but there is a time. God knows, but even even the Son doesn't know that. So, but there is a plan. There is a time when that will happen. Yes. We need to live each day as if it's going to be now. We do. We need to live each day like like we think the Lord is going to return right now. So that's true. We do need to do that. That's how we need to look at it because it may not be. We don't know. It may not be for hundreds of years, but it could be this second. We, we just don't know. And that's that's why the Lord had those parables about telling us to be ready, right? So. All right, so I think we're out of time. We'll pick up and we'll look start again with question nine next week.
So I want to thank you all for your time and your attention.